is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. According to a news release that we received in here during the week, the coming of age of blended workforces has arrived. We've heard about the blended working practices, which uh, sees some people working at home while uh, for some of the days during the week and then working in the office. A blended workforce is a mixture of full and part-time staff as well as contractors, freelancers and so on. This uh, survey I mentioned is a cooperative partnership between Trinity Business School and Contracting Plus, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Jimmy Sheen, who's the Managing Director of Contracting Plus. Good evening, Jimmy. Evening, John. How are you? Good. Now, explain to me blended workforces. Uh, very simple. In, it's in the name, John, in that the workforce is made up of a number of different types of workers. So you'll have employees that everyone will be familiar with, but you also have uh, independent contractors or project workers, which is what this research focuses on. And you can also have, you know, part-time workers or you can have seasonal workers, depending on what industry you're in. Yeah, and now, I, I've often seen... The, full workforce. Sorry for interrupting you. I've seen um, the government, uh, a lot of the push seems to be coming from the government to get everybody into the employed model, you know, because you hear about the gig economy and low mm-hmm. pay and all that sort of stuff. How uh, is the sector that you're advocating for different from that? Yeah, it's a really good question. So if you think about uh, skills and experience, people who are essentially self-employed will either be on the the lower end of the scale, such as, let's take, for example, the Uber drivers or the Deliveroo uh, guys and girls. What we're talking about here are high-skilled people, highly educated people. In fact, of the the people surveyed in this report, 95% of them had uh, third-level education or higher. And of those, more than half had either a master's degree or higher. And I think what you see, to go to your question in terms of what the government are doing, they're trying to protect the lower-end, low-skilled, low-paid, vulnerable end of the workforce, which is the right thing to do. As a society, we absolutely should be doing that. But I think in their drive to do that, they're, they're putting in artificial hurdles for these higher-end contractors to operate. And if you think about the people who use these higher-end contractors, they tend to be the bigger multinationals and the bigger indigenous companies. And what those companies are ultimately doing is growing and driving net job, excuse me, net job creation. They're driving extra tax, tax revenue as they grow their own business. So they're a huge part of Ireland Inc. And what we don't want to do is see policy implemented, which in protecting one end of the scale has a detrimental effect at the other end of the scale. So you're looking for them to change. What kind of changes are you looking for to protect this high end uh, aspect of the blended workforce? I think it's just recognition, John, that they they are a very normal part of the workforce. I mean, if you think, let me give you an example of, let's say, a technology individual, technology expert. A company might say, KCLR might want to develop an app. And they might uh, say, well, we're going to need to have a really high-skilled person to do this. We might need that person for 12 or 18 months. But once your app is developed, you don't need the high-skilled person anymore. You might, you might actually end up creating a job for a, a lower-skilled person to maintain that app. But I will then, having developed that app, move on to the next, to the next uh, project uh, or the next client. And, and I think what we need to recognize is those type of project workers are very normal in the economy. Hmm. 
Now, uh, we often hear about, you know, you mentioned Uber drivers and so on who are only actually getting paid when they're working. Um, what For the type of assignment or project you're talking about, what kind of state of mind does somebody need to, you know, because people when they were growing up for a long time were told, get yourself a good permanent and pensionable job. The whole uh, project yeah. worker, freelancer and all that, it's a long way from a permanent and pensionable job. What kind of person do you need to be? You do need to be a person of resilience, but you also need to have an element of expertise. Typically, people before they start contracting have about 10 years expertise, and the average age is 49. It's not for everyone. Uh, you know, there's no sick pay. You have to look after your own pension, but there are much higher earnings. In fact, when, when the researchers looked at the earnings of the average contractor versus an employee, there was up to 70% increase being being a contractor. But in the other area of earnings, John, I think for a second, if I could just focus on, on, on female contractors... If gender pay gap is a massive part uh, of, of the discussion and diversity inclusion is a massive part of the discussion today. And if we look at the statistics um, by the CSO, the gender pay gap in Ireland is 22%. When you look at the contracting sector and the independent professional sector alone, that drops to 10%. But let me go one step further. If you look at the 30 to 39-year-old females, they actually earn 16% more than their male counterparts. And in the 40 to 49-year-olds, the gap is only 40, sorry, 4%. Mm-hmm. So contracting and freelancing, if you're a skilled professional female um, and, and you take a career break for whatever reason, maybe returning to the workforce as a contractor will allow you walk back in after, say, a 10-year break on rates that are near enough on par with male counterparts who have been in the workforce the whole time. Yeah, now we talked about the changes that need to be uh, made about how the government regards this sector. What kind of changes do you think employers and people running businesses need to have to take full advantage of this uh, sector of the workforce or this opportunity as you would see it? I think it comes back to government, John. Um, One of the reasons uh, maybe companies are slow to take on uh, contractors or independent workers or freelancers or whatever term you want to call them is the perceived fear of tax bills down the road uh, because we we see the message again from government being you know John is an employee he wasn't a, he wasn't actually a contractor so you're trying to recognize the fact that well if John is coming in every day and he's answering the phone and he's opening posts and he's making tea and he's sweeping the floor then yes he he's an employee but if John is coming in, go back to the, the example of develop, developing an app and doing something that's very high skilled for a very short period of time, once that project is finished, it doesn't matter how long you were in that company for, whether it was a six-month project or a 24-month project. It, what's, what's key here is we can actually ring-fence that and say you were only there for that project. Mm. And as such, you, you should have been entitled to operate as an independent contractor. How big do you estimate the independent contractor sector is? How many people are working in it? And, you know, roughly what would be the value to the economy? Unfortunately, there's no official figures around that. But if we took a stab, uh, you know, at, if we say the, the self-employed sector of Ireland uh, is about 330,000 people. Um, and then probably around 20% of those might be the, that professional sector. But it's not just those, you know, somewhere between fifty and 60,000 people. What it actually is, it's all the companies, it's all the jobs that they facilitate. So if you think of, think, I won't name anyone, but think of any multinational company based in Dublin or Kildare or the regions, uh, and all the employment jobs they're creating are off the back of projects, implementation projects in maybe developing a new line of drug, maybe developing a new chip, maybe developing a new piece of software. And all of those things now need maintenance people, 
sales people, business development people. So what and, and research has shown that if, if companies use at least 11%, if 11% of their blended workforce are made up of independent professionals, those companies will create more jobs in the long run for the economy. They will generate more tax income for the economy and they will um, return a bigger uh, bigger uh, return for shareholders. In the well, an interesting, uh, an interesting stat to end on and a very interesting area. Jimmy Sheen, Managing Director of Contracting Plus. Thanks for joining us on The Bottom Line Thank this you, evening. With John Purcell, The Bottom Line on KCLR.